0: on our podcasts we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies share clients experiences and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients we trust that you will enjoy our direct transparent and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives now on to the show
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Opus Well Style Podcast. My name is Ivan Watanabe. I'm here with my partner, Evan Wall. Evan, what's going on, brother? How are you? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm great. Um, so we're gonna be talking today about recent conversations that we are having, you know, with it seems like everybody these days, all of our clients that are looking to purchase homes. Uh, how do they evaluate whether or not this is the right time, the wrong time? You know, and all the different decisions that kind of go into it. So, I think it was an opportunity for us to just kind of share the dialogue that we've been having, and and hopefully we can help the listening audience kind of come to their own conclusions um, as well. So, um, Evan, where do where do you want to start?
2: Yeah, so you know, like you said, we I I must have this conversation once a week. Uh, everyone is. And and I think now, uh, you know, we're recording this uh, beginning of May 2023, a lot of people were uh, putting the home purchase on pause uh, as interest rates shot up so dramatically. And now they're starting to realize, well, it's probably just where it is for at least a little while. And so if you want to buy that next home or the first home, then it is what it is, right? And so we have to start to make those decisions uh, and so the the guidance that I'm or the conversations that I'm having with clients, I, I always say it's generally two primary decisions as it relates to the financial side of it, right? Not which town you want to buy and move to and and stuff like that, but from the financial aspect, it's what is uh, what does your liquidity look like after the down payment, right? So uh, and typically it's you know twenty percent down is the recommendation to avoid mortgage insurance, and so then after the twenty percent down, what is what does your cash position look like? How much you know, money do you have on hand to fund decorating the home and making sure you can go buy a few couches and TVs, et cetera? Uh, and then the second consideration is how big is the mortgage relative to the household gross income? And household gross income, I always say, should include bonuses, commissions, although those tend to be variable. And so you know try to choose a realistically conservative number. Uh, and so, you know, that's generally where the conversations start and, you know, they, they tend to evolve from there. What about you? Where, what's the primary guidance that you're giving people these days? Yeah,
1: similar. I mean, it's all based off of, like you said, what's the liquidity look like at post purchase? And then also, how does it impact their general cash flow? Right. So, you know, with mortgage rates where they are compared to where they were just trying to evaluate um, how much of a house should they be buying? Mm-hmm. How does this impact their cash flow? Um, and, and really, just sort of the also the longevity of where they're going to be. Is this the forever home? Is this a home that they are purchasing because they really just feel anxious about you know no longer renting? And when do they think they're going to either upgrade or move on from this home? Right. So mm-hmm. that that definitely has an impact, I think, on on the way we view the whatever mortgage they're going to select. Yeah. Right. So. You know, if this is the forever home or that's at least what they anticipate it to be, then we're, we're happy with a longer stretch, you know, of a, of a mortgage, um, keeping it sort of level. Um, but if they think they're going to be out of this place in a couple of years, you know, really evaluating what's the different, the proper strategy and, and um, how does it impact their, their cash flow? Right. And I think that has that cash flow piece. Is really what we're walking every client through because that's what they really want to know. Hey, hey, can we afford this house, right? And the
2: affordability always comes out of the cash flow, not out of, frankly, anything else. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's the you know coming down, coming up with the twenty percent down payment is usually less of an issue. Not always the case, but but usually, and it's the and the bigger variable is what are the property taxes look like because that's yeah. really what's impacting the mortgage payment. Right. Yep. So, you know, everyone would love to, to give us a number. What's the what's the budget that we shouldn't go over? <clears throat> and, and you can't we can't really do that because the mortgage payment is going to is going to change based on property taxes. And so the guidance I typically tell people is try to try to get a mortgage at or below 15 percent of annual gross income. And so you know you take the monthly total monthly mortgage payment including insurance, property taxes, et cetera, multiply that by twelve, <clears throat> and then is that fifteen percent or lower of the combined household gross income? Again, including inclusive of conservative bonus and commissions estimates. Yeah. And uh, and the reason I say fifteen is because uh, maybe ninety five percent of the time people go over that, right? And so uh, if I, if if we come to a number of all right, this will get us to fifteen, and then they find the perfect house that's just absolutely perfect. Uh, Then they, you know, then it's 20%. Right. And so then they come back to me and say, well, can we do 20%? And the conversation I have there is if you expect your income to continue to rise over the next few years faster than the rise in property taxes, then even if you're starting at 20% over the next few years, that percent will come down. So principal and interest payments will stay level, assuming it's a, you know, fixed mortgage 30 or even 15 year fixed the property taxes typically they don't go down they typically you know just get just go up over time and so if you think your household gross income is going to grow faster than the the taxes then that percentage will come down over time and so what that means is the first year if you're stretching yourself then the first year you're going to feel it you're going to feel maybe a little bit more stress or anxiety around your around uh, your finances because the majority of your free what otherwise would have been free cash flow is now going into the home uh, and so it's going to take you a few years to get used to that, let your income catch up, and, and then start to allocate that that free cash flow elsewhere. Yeah, I'm definitely recommending the
1: similar percentage. And also adding in the, you know, and you we've talked about cash flow previously and how important it is to save. And when we look at cash flow, we want to get our clients to save 20% of their gross income at least. Yep. Yep. Whatever else they do with sort of the rest of it is kind of up to them, right? I don't really, I mean, I always make the joke, like if you light it on fire, I don't really care. That's not really true. But in general, if they're saving their 20 to 25% and then can still afford the house with the Delta along with their the other expenses, then I'm, then I'm comfortable with it, right? Now, right. granted, it's a little bit, of a gray area because the mortgage is going to be fixed. It's not like they can stop paying that or, you know, they, they can reduce lifestyle in some other way. Like your mortgage is your mortgage. You have to pay that every single month. Um, but in general, if they're able to continue to save that 20 to 25%, you know, then God bless them. They're, you know, more than willing to, or more than happy to, 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 um, to afford the mortgage with the, with the balance. So, um,
2: what about the, the fact that, bigger homes typically come with bigger expenses whether it's the lawn and you know who knows what i got a bug guy i got a poison ivy you know company i got i got it all are you are you having that conversation to to build that in because that's really just the the big unknown of you know you're you think you're thinking, just calculating the mortgage but in reality there's there's so much more that goes into owning a home and the bigger the more expenses yeah. It's funny. We always have this
1: conversation and I think it's one of the often forgotten about parts of our conversation. Yeah. You know, when we kind of go through these metrics and then people say, Oh my God, like this broke. And then I got to yeah. put a new roof and this thing happened and that thing happened. And I'll, you know, gently remind them, like we talked about this, right. Houses in general are kind of money pits. Like they are never ending. Right. Like, I, you know, I've got, a, as you said, lawn bug, water treatment, mm-hmm. you know, taxes, uh, we want to put a playground in, we need to do this, like all of this stuff adds up over and you just can't possibly anticipate what those costs will be. As long as we are still saving within that range, we've got to anticipate some type of buffer for everything. Like if you're really running your cash flow, and that thing is like right on target with what is acceptable for you. mm mm-hmm. You know, you may want to you may want to be easy on some of those extra expenses in year one until that income continues to grow a little bit, right? And to keep up. But you know, I get nervous when those numbers are super close.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when people are stretching, stretching, then I say, you know, don't feel like you should or need to decorate this home, you know, top to bottom within the first few months. You know, you're gonna you're gonna you know buy it, you know, buy what you need, bare minimum, and then you know do it over time. Take take your time with it. And, you know, what's the, is there a more depressing thing to spend money on than a new roof or a hot water heater or, you know, AC unit, like, and these things cost so much money. And it's just the, the thought of having all that money, leave your account to not really enjoy it. Like windows are absurdly expensive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And again, it's, it's, it's part of our
1: role, right. As, as sort of the advocates and, and advisors for our clients to have these types of conversations, because you know, you want to have this dialogue before they make the decision versus after, right? And we can say it until, you know, our job is not to tell our clients how to spend their money, but to really say, listen, like you want, you're on the upper, the upper stretches of what we think is reasonable. That may mean delaying the purchase of, of, you know, again, outfitting this whole house. Like, are you guys comfortable with that? And we have to be very clear with what the expectations are. And It's their ultimately, it's their decision to make it. And it's a tough one to buy the house and then have rooms unfurnished or to not have it the Mm -hmm. way you want it to be. But you know, there may be give and take for folks, depending on how tight that cash flow is when they make that purchase. And some of it comes from interest rates rising, right? So that impacts the general cash flow from where it previously was some of it has to do with, and, and I don't know how often you're running into this, but like bidding wars now in the real estate market, mm-hmm. right? When, you know, the inventory was tight or people were just throwing crazy numbers at houses and hoping that they would get this and they, you know, people were getting it. So um, that's the other aspect of this, right? Is the actual purchase of the home. Like, where are you guys with buying the house? Are you overpaying it? Is it even worth that? You know, are you running into that often too? Or are you having those oh, conversations? My, I, I mean, especially
2: if they, they're going to see a house that's like slightly over budget. Right. But like, you know, it, it looks nice. Then you go and you just, they fall in love with it. And then yeah, it's an emotional thing from there. Yeah. Right. It's no longer logical. I've I had clients, uh, good friends, good friends of mine, uh, reach out to me just kind of freaking out, uh, while I was on vacation. Uh, they just bought a, they put a bid on, on a, on a home, you know, probably a, a maybe double the size of the more than double the size of their existing home. And uh, you know, they're, they're financially responsible. So they, in the end they will be just fine. Uh, but it's, it's scary for them. Right. And so they had, they were texting and calling me and saying like, Oh my God, I don't know if we can do this or we should do this. And they know they, they knew that they were stretching themselves a little thin. And so if you go into it with that, you know, with that understanding, you know, at least you're not going to get blindsided. You you talked about give and take, and and the give and take is not just give it a little time to furnish the whole place. It could also be give and take on, you know, maybe you have to dial back the the 401k contribution for a little bit, or, you know, as you get closer to a home purchase, you want to build up liquidity. So instead of putting more and more to investments, retirement accounts, other, even maybe private investments that that have less liquidity, you can start just stockpiling cash and, and get ready for that. And so that's also a, a, a constant conversation is how close are we getting to a possible down payment and yeah. you know, how to, how do you best position yourself for that? And you know, the answer is liquidity. It's you know, yeah.
1: cash no question. Yeah. And it, it also helps with the mortgage application process right now. I've I had that yeah. same exact conversation with a couple of clients last week. Um, we were having a, some dialogue around the, the cash position and just saying, listen, you've got to, you've got to dial back the 401k, not for forever, yeah. Like, temporarily, you know, temporarily. Right. And this is really, you know, again, based off of your priorities, which is getting this house, right. The house that you love getting this house, then we need to dial back on that for a period of time. And then again, we'll refund that strategy. But I just think these days with the home being such an emotional purchase, mm-hmm. you know, we had to really have some dialogue with folks to say, you know, you that's an irresponsible amount of money to pay above the actual value of the house, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Most people I find, void of like COVID freak prices, do not actually make money from their primary residence. When you build in all of the maintenance and the tax and the upkeep and the mortgage interest, like don't actually make
2: money off their primary residence, right? If you think of your investments, you know every, every all investments have fees associated right, with it right and so if you think about <laughs> your real estate you can think of all those extra expenses as fees as just like added expense that's just going in it's just it's sucking away any you know profits or rates of returns yeah um and and they're not even deductible right yeah. the like you can't deduct these expenses so it's uh you, you definitely need to take it into into account what about yeah. the the interest rate environment right now i imagine you're having a lot of clients as I am of, you know, it's now the right time. What should we do? Uh, you know, it's a quote unquote, awful, you know, interest rate environment relative to where it's been, which, you know, that's fair, but what do you do about it?
1: Yeah. It's funny because, you know, when you, when you think about where rates were, you know, just a couple of years ago, you know, I think I got a 30 year fixed at 2.75. It was like free oh, yeah. money. Right. Oh, yeah. I, I was, I got super lucky yeah. and those that were able to get mortgages in that time frame. We're able to take advantage of something that is historic lows. Mm-hmm. Now, the conversation is literally trying to recalibrate expectations around what a reasonable mortgage rate is, mm-hmm. right? Everybody is basing their conversation off of a couple of years ago when it was all time historic lows, right? I don't necessarily know if we're ever going to get back to that place anytime soon. And that's why that refinance conversation of I can lock in a mortgage today and hopefully I can refinance in a couple of years, like there's nothing to indicate that rates will go back to sub three and percent. It, and it's really funny. I'll just share this quickly. I kind of pulled this up is taking a look at historical average mortgage rates. So if you were to look at the average 30 year fixed, it's 7.75 percent across the life of, of sort of 30-year fixed mortgages, right? 7.75%. I remember when I first got into the business, if you had a sub 6% mortgage, it was like
2: gold. Mm-hmm. Right? And when our look, parents- Look at that peak in the, yeah. what's that? The mid, mid-80s, mid-80s right? or early 80s, like early my, 80s. My parents bought their first mortgage in 1986, I think, 80, yeah. 88 or something like that. They had an they had a. I think it was an eighteen percent mortgage. Yeah, I mean it's absurd. An eighteen percent mortgage. Yeah, and then my dad always loves to tell me that the next day, next year, he turned around and went and got a twenty-one percent auto loan for his for his car. Yeah, and it should have been illegal, but
0: yeah, you know, it's, it's just
2: it's absurd. That it's was reality for most of it for most of America. Yeah,
1: it's wild. I mean, it just you know again, hopefully they won't get anywhere no. closer than anytime soon, right? Yeah. But the the truth is that you know, mortgage rates in the mid fives is, you know, a reasonable historical average
2: 30 year fixed rate, right? Is, is that what you're seeing right now? Mid five, mid mid high fives for a 30 year?
1: Yeah. 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 So I, as of last week, that's what I, that's what
2: some of my clients were getting quoted. So, you know, that, that's so come down. I think it's come down a little bit, right? It, it has. It was, uh, it was like mid sixes, uh, maybe a couple of months ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and again, it just, you know, it think about things in context, right? But for a longer time span and when you're making decisions around purchasing, you can't make them based off of all time lows. Yeah. And I also really think that folks need to think about what is the longevity of the piece of property that they are buying mm-hmm. and making sure that they're making their mortgage decisions based off that. You know, I don't love the idea of people going into a mortgage thinking I'll be no question I'll be able to refinance in seven years. Mm-hmm. When you're at that place, like who the heck knows what is going on in your life? Who, who knows what's going on in the markets? Who knows what's going on in the mortgage markets? Interest rates, like you know, I, I just I, I caution people to keep more of a global view of. Their ability to refinance in a few years because we don't know what that's going to look like. And they're basing their decisions off of the hope that things will go back down to sub three. Yeah. You know,
2: there's no question. A 30 year (laughs) fixed mortgage is going to be the most conservative way to go. The, you know, and then you have clients that look at adjustable rate mortgages. And like you said earlier, if they're confident that they're going to be selling the home in the next, you know, seven to 10 years. Maybe, you know, I think that makes uh, more sense for them, but just to, to rely on interest rates to drop in the future, maybe they will, maybe they won't. It's hard to say.
1: Yeah. I think for me, the other piece that's really made things extremely difficult for many clients is the opportunity to buy properties uh, on the investment side as an investment, right? Because the numbers with mortgage rates creeping up, you know, this is a, this is a primary resident sort of mortgage rate at five and a half. You know, maybe investment properties are seven, seven and a half. Mm-hmm. It impacts the bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. The the actual sort of potential for um to get a return on that investment, you know, shrinks. And then if you're in markets like Florida, where the the homeowner's insurance is skyrocketing, right? Then that mm-hmm. makes the profit margin like basically non-existent, right? And it seems like there's a lot of people out there that are investing in you know property and real estate that are actually net negative on a cash flow basis every month hoping somehow that that turns around or that the property value increases but really kind of evaluating this i think on an ongoing basis is is tough when when rates are where they are
2: and know? i think that speaks to a future conversation that we'll have which is of asset location, not just having, you know, the such a giant percentage of your assets in real estate, residential real estate, rental real estate, whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, it's important to to spread it around.
1: Yeah, I think we're, we're to kind of recap this, right? So the, the major sort of common themes between the conversations that we are having, right, or make sure that you evaluate the cash flow, both from uh, what's the net percentage that this that this purchase represents in my cash flow and right you're using a 15% as your sort of target piece and also if we're able to save 20% of our income and still have the house and still save and live the rest of our lifestyle i
2: feel like that's a really good that's a really good healthy personal economy right back in back into the mortgage <clears throat> to the, to the number of the mortgage based on saving 20%. Start yeah. with that. Save, you know, pay yourself first and then find out, you know, what does that mean for how much you could spend on a mortgage. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the la- last thing,
1: I think just really you know, I, the one piece that gets forgotten about is that folks sort of focus on the numbers of how much the house is or the mortgage rate or the, that piece, but also how much do you love the house? Mhm right? Like I really want, if you're buying this primary residence, like don't just buy a piece of real estate to buy the home because you don't want to rent any longer. I don't know if you're having that dialogue with clients either, but you know, I'm really just having people not get caught up in the fact that they are renting or, you know, bought a place and they're in between places. Like really, if you're in this market, buy a place that you really love not one that you sort of think you can tolerate for a period of time. I don't know what your you take think is. It's on the that. right
2: thing to do for your finances.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know,
2: when I when I have the conversations with clients about what is the age at which you're on track for retirement, and their you know a home purchase is is looming in the next you know you know few years, what I always say is that you know typically the home purchase in the short term will hurt your liquidity right you take a whole bunch of money that you currently have access to you put it into your your real estate no longer have access to it unless you're opening up a whole equity line of credit which is a you know generally good practice to do uh, but not always feasible banks are even right now are, are tightening up a lot on that on that front and so you you want to think of your your real estate as less of an investment because in the short term it's going to hurt your liquidity in the long term it is going to help your retirement assuming you know you get a traditional 30year mortgage, you stay at the house for a long time, you pay off the mortgage then your your living expenses in retirement just gets a lot lower right again, but a, a, another assumption there is that you're you're staying in the home in retirement um, so there's a lot of assumptions there, but in general I find home purchase from a financial standpoint hurts your cash hurts your liquidity and sometimes your cash flow in the short term it'll help retirement income planning, but you know, that's, that's way down the road. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And again, with the assumption that you're going to be in this thing for a long time, right. You know, I just, I, I, in particular in our age demographic, right. Late thirties, early Mm forties, there's this, and maybe even younger, there's this need to buy a home. And that seems to be changing with the youngest generation of sort of Income earners. Right. But like in our demographic, it's like a box that everybody seems very, yeah. you know, in a rush to check off. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And and we, you know, Joanna and I kind of made a plan where we rented for a long time. Right. I mean, I rented for 13 years or something like that before we decided to build the home. But it was because that's what we wanted as a family, not because I think this is like the greatest investment. We happen right. to get super lucky with timing and interest rates and yeah. all those kinds of mm-hmm. things, but in it ended up working out extremely well, but you know, we, I didn't look at this as sort of an investment, right? I looked at this as, as a lifestyle choice for my family and in incorporated in that decision is sort of us wanting to be here for a long period of time. And then again, cash flow wise, making sure we can do all the other things that we want to do.
2: So. Yeah. You can't control the future of mortgage rates, the real estate market, you know, make the best decision for your family and, and, Stay balanced as it relates to your cash flow and liquidity.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, awesome. Well, again,
1: um, Evan, I love having the conversation with you. I know you're doing great work with your clients, and and uh, for you, the listening audience, thanks for tuning in. We look forward to hearing from you soon. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, don't forget, click subscribe below to be notified when we have new podcast episodes released. Talk soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.
3: This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not issue or advise regarding mortgages or real estate. Yvonne Wantanabe and Evan Wool are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities LLC PAS. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC, financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License 0H44206 evans california insurance license 0h04936 compliance approval 2023-154827 expires april of 2025